0: Hello, welcome, you're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have you ever heard the words, but that's not fair, come from your child? I hear that phrase multiple times from both children. Ever since our single child became one of two, we've been negotiating what is fair. I find it infuriating because as my dad once said to me, life is not fair. But how do we help children with this concept when their sister has just had an ice cream and they didn't? Dr Vanessa Lapointe is a psychologist and author. Hi Vanessa, how are you? I'm doing well, hello. Are most children obsessed with the idea of fairness or is it just my kids?
1: I think that this is very common uh, in many, many homes. So you are not alone. And the reality <laughs> is when kids go from one to two and two to three and three to possibly more and have to navigate you know, the world of sibling interactions, there is a scarcity of resource that sort of hangs over top of that and then it becomes you know a supply and demand survival of the fittest kind of game and and the um commentary about fairness is just part of that whole world
0: okay because sometimes it feels like lord of the flies um (laughs) (laughs) but um why is it I mean, you just kind of touched on there what, what it is that it, it's about for them, like it's a scarcity of resources. But I'm just wondering if you can take through a particularly perplexing situation for me. Mm. Um, my children have been known to complain that it's not fair that one child has a bottle top and the other does not. So we're talking about a bottle top that was going to be put in the recycling. Mm-hmm. What is that looking like from their perspective?
1: Well, I think we need to think about that um, possibly through two separate lenses. The Mm -hmm. first is to uh, know that sometimes it's not about the bottle top. (laughs) I should hope not. (laughs) The bigger picture is that it's more about feeling like they secured a win. Now, what is it that I mean by a win? I mean that they secured some kind of connection back to the parent that held that particular child in a higher esteem than the other child. So the bottle cap is the route via which they compete for your attention, your affection, your love, bottom line, connection with you. So the bottle Mm -hmm. top is just a conduit to an experience of connection. So that's, that's one lens. And that really does sort of um, capture that whole supply and demand kind of piece that I was speaking about. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that it's incredibly important for us as grownups. And I know, like, if I had to tell you the one thing that I find most challenging as a mother, and it might be a surprise to some of your listeners, the thing I find most challenging is staying in the lead. And being the alpha parent, which I mean from a really positive place, not a scary, um, intense place, but alpha, power born of love, the leader, the leader with a heart. There's a certain kind of walk and a certain kind of swagger that comes with holding that position. And when you are the alpha parent, the message that gets conveyed to your children is that what is fair for one is not always going to be what's fair for all. And I, my darling child, as the parent here, will be deciding what is fair. You don't need to worry about it cuz I've got my I've got my finger on the pulse of fairness in this family and I'll make sure that your life is fair. And I will oh, be the one deciding I like that,
0: but it seems really really hard. <laughs>
1: And then the meltdown, (laughs) that's not fair. You're always taking his side. And as the meltdown happens, what you then do is move into compassion. I really get that you feel like it's not fair. It's so hard sometimes to be a big sister, a little sister. I remember when I was your age, it was exactly the same way. And you have every right to be angry. Your anger is okay with me.
0: But see, then you say that and then they expect that you're going to respond to their anger by
1: giving them Mm. what they want. (laughs) Well, and in that case, the best predictor for all of us, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And so if their response is then, oh, she's getting soft, she's going to give me what I want. They go to that because they know that's historically what we have done. And yes. I speak, you know, we only ever um, teach what we have to learn. And so I'm with you in the trenches, sister, because this is hard <laughs> for me too. Um, and, and when we change a step in the dance like that, where we are shifting up the way we are responding to and interacting with our children, we can anticipate, at least initially, that there will be some pushback as they habituate and acclimate to this new dance.
0: Mm. Um now, beyond that, I love that idea i'm I'm sort of stealing myself to take that approach. Um, <laughs> but I must admit that I feel that, as a parent of this generation, I feel like I feel like my parents were more they live their life without thinking about this stuff. So if they took one child, if they happened to be somewhere and they took one child to McDonald's, they didn't worry about the other child not getting it. Whereas I feel in this generation, uh, myself in particular, that I, I p- look forward and try to make things as fair as possible. So I might be near McDonald's and think, okay, well, uh, I might not do that because it means the other one can't have the same thing. Um Obviously there is a limit to where you will go with that and there are some things where, you know, for example, a friend gives them a present and doesn't give the other child a present. You don't have control of that. Um, but how far should we be going to make life as fair as possible and, and what is an ethically fair life? I mean <laughs> that's a very big question mm. but um, in your opinion, how can you make it ethically fair or should you even be trying?
1: You know i it is a giant question, and i ha- I have sort of a brief response, and then you and I will talk about it um, after <laughs> recording stop for the next five days my, my response is that we have to pay attention to the intention, so one mm-hmm. more time, pay attention to the intention. Why is it that we what is the intention behind? Wanting to make sure both kids get ice creams, even if you're only in the vehicle and near the McDonald's that you're going to stop at for the ice cream with one child on board. Like, what is it within us that so endeavors to make sure everything is fair? And if that intention is because I just can't handle the reactivity (laughs) or if the intention is because I really need my children to never feel put out by my actions Or if the intention is, uh, but I just want everybody to be happy. If you you are really honest with yourself and you sort of sink down underneath those examples of intentions that I just rattled off, all of those intentions come back to a need that is within us as the parent Mm. rather than an actual need of our children developmentally and or emotionally. So that's the long way to say if the intention has anything to do with our own emotions as the parents, Mm. then we've gotten too far down the path and we're chasing that concept of fairness too hard. If the intention is, and you, you can say it with peace, you can say it with neutrality, you can say it even with, happiness and joy. If the intention is, you know, I'm going to buy Susie an ice cream and I'd really love for Peter to have one when we get home too. Mm. And, and there's no need for Peter to be happy, for Peter to not have a meltdown, for Peter to not think that you're mean, like you have no need underneath that. Then you're in the zone of where fair is well and okay.
0: How would you explain fairness to kids?
1: Fairness is something that the grown-ups decide upon based on all the superpowers that grown-ups have. And when grown-ups are deciding, they make the rules about what is fair for you and what's fair for your brother. And just so you know, those rules won't always be the same.
0: Because I think that's probably the key where my kids get mixed up and upset, is where they think fairness is about equality I mean, mm. maybe it is. I'm, I'm really asking too many existential questions right now.
1: <laughs> you know, it takes me to this gorgeous image that I saw once. And it was a picture. It was actually um, intended for the world of learning differences and why it makes a lot of sense that certain students would have what we call accommodations in the classroom that allows them what many people would view as a head start or a leg up. But in reality, it just sort of levels the playing field for them. And the image that accompanied the message was a picture of three little boys standing beside a playing field that had like a fence around it. And one boy was very short, one boy was medium short, and one boy was tall. And the medium short boy had a medium high stool so he could see over the fence because that's what made it fair for him. The very short boy had a very high stool so that he could see over the fence because that's what made it fair for him. And the grown-ups are in charge of deciding how tall the stool is going to be.
0: yeah. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to think about it. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely asked for that one, didn't I? (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for your guidance as always, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. That's Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. She's a psychologist and author, and you'll find more info about Vanessa and her work in the notes of this episode.